man, one voice that stands alone. I give one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots, give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. And we are live on Facebook with our Monday revelations with a handful of pulp revelators here. And we're talking about the season series finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is uh, which winded up as Captain America and Winter Soldier as it changed the text at the end of the show. Um, and man, it, it's it's been a strong series. I, I got thinking about you know, comic books and movies like this. And, you know, at their best, they show us something of our world and ourselves, you know, wrapped up in this, these epic superhero stories. And, you know, it had action, it had transformation, it had, you know, um, espionage and speeches and, you know, all kinds of cool quotes. Um, I thought it was a great episode though. I've seen some some critical reviews, I think, you know, and rightly so. It it, it tied up neatly. Um, Skirka, what do you think? I thought it was great. Um, I, I liked it. I mean, there were some things that were rushed, of course, and you could tell, and they're a little um, maybe slightly cheesy. But uh, all in all, it was a – I thought it was a great show. Um, I, I thought – they showed some great heroic moments. I really enjoyed when the U.S. agent was given the chance to kind of redeem himself. That was that was nice to have, um, you know, ever so slightly. I, I kind of liked how he almost started uh, having camaraderie with the other two at the end, even though Bucky like shut him down really quick. So not when but, you say it. Yeah. So it was kind of um, it was really neat, and, and I, I liked. Uh, and I just liked how it turned out. I thought it was really good. It was action-packed. It, it was pretty much everything you could hope for in a season finale. Sanders, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that there were some pros and cons with this uh, particular thing. Um, I, I also enjoyed overall, and I think I will always enjoy everything that they put out. I think it was... Uh, very true to the comics, which is uh, refreshing for those of us who really enjoy the comic book world. And, you know, uh, I agree with you. There were a lot of comments online, critical comments about this, and it didn't have as good a reviews as some of the other shows. Uh, some of that could have been the messaging. Some of it could have been the audience. I mean, there were there were a lot of different things. Some of it could have been that it was a little bit rushed towards the end, you know, we all wondered, how can we finish this in one more episode? And we really couldn't, you know, they, they put a little bookend on it, but it was, I think, preparing for the things that are to come, which is what I had asked for the, uh, the week prior, really. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I said, when they come out, I, I want some cliffhangers. I want some unanswered questions. I want some things that make me want more. And uh, I think we got a lot of that. I think that um, this could continue in its own right, even if it wasn't just going right into the other movies and the other shows that they're coming out with. Uh, you could have a, you know, Captain America and Winter Soldier series that could keep mm -hmm. going. Um, I overall, my takeaway is that I liked it. I enjoyed the action. I like the play 
the way that they play off one another. I thought that they were good actors for the parts that they played. Um, I like that I called Sharon Carter. That's what I really like. That was that was it right there. I I knew it. I knew it. Um, I don't think I was alone, but <laughs> I, I really I really thought she was going to be the power broker and that she was going to be a little bent over everything that happened with Super Serum and kind of her mixed up crazy role with Steve when it was really her her aunt who uh, you know who got to spend life with him and what what a weird little. Thing that is in two different time uh, time I, I don't know what do you what do you call it? time riffs what do you call those I mean they're uh, you know he went back and changed the future or the past so I, I don't know exactly how that all works out but um, I think alternate timeline would fit pretty well ultimate timeline yeah yeah but um, overall my takeaway um, I want more I want more I, I want I want more MCU I want more storytelling I want more action I, I I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward and, uh, you can't have any more until you've eaten your dinner. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> and I think, uh, Sam's character, he really fills the role that Steve had. He, he was the best suited and you saw that and they, they made that abundantly clear that he is, he is really, uh, a good guy. He really wants to see change. He's fighting for change and he's, uh, he's solid. So. Nice. Well, since we're calling things that were called, I, I do recall a certain intelligent uh, sort of young man in his 40s said that that was the Captain America suit in the briefcase. I, I just want to go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very good. How'd the episode work for you, Joe? Uh, I thought it went really well. I um, The episode itself, all together, I really liked it. Um, you know, and I, I agree with like what everybody else said. There were probably some rushed pieces that were in there. Uh, but as a whole, I really enjoyed the whole episode. Um, and it's hard, like you said, it's 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 a six series episode, six hours, you know, five and some change, really, if you look at it as a whole, um, of them telling this story. Um, and the way they did it for me it worked again like like sanders said i really i want a little bit more i hope they expand on this going forward um into either other shows or movies or things like that but i really enjoyed it um and again with everyone else you know i said last week that they wouldn't show the suit until the end and it would be a different suit and he would change it at the end and i was wrong i'll admit that uh which hey but I, i'm really i was i was really excited for to see it um you know, from the jump, you know, and I can even appreciate the fact of it not being that trope of opening the case and you see in the case it laying in the case, you know, at the end of the season or episode five, he opens the case, he looks at it, you have an idea of what's in there. But then in this next, this next episode, boom, he's out there, he's flying across and it's that it is, it's in shadow first. So you don't get to see it in the case or him pull it out or this, whole montage of him putting it on i appreciated it was there it is it's in the case what is it we kind of figure what it is but then it's like shadows and a little bit here and and then all of a sudden the reveal comes in a little later so and it could have been like pulp fiction they could have never shown you what was in the case. <laughs> right 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 they did that two weeks in a row the like last week 
I figured they would fight Walker at the end of the show, and they just led with it. And the same thing with the costume. It was just boom. You know, we left this hanging. Here we go, right off the bat. Let's keep the story right. rolling. Yeah. I think that goes into that six hours or that five hours. Time. You don't have a lot of time. So, like, if this was like a 10-episode or a 13-episode uh, show like you would see somewhere else, then, yeah, you probably would have that drawn-out thing with a fight a little bit later. But I also think they knew – hey, we got six hours to do this. So we got to really kind of throw these things out, hit home with hit home with it and get it moving so that we can get our story told in this in the six episodes that we have. Well, and they, they still did it well. Like they were able to resolve like, you know, Walker's claim to the Captain America role. Once he saw Sam step up, he kind of backed off. Like, you know, they could have featured another scene where he's like, oh, I'm Captain America. And he didn't. He kind of was like, all right, that guy rocks, and I kind of blew it. And, you know, just the uh, – and they did it with little nuances. Like, um, even with the big fight scene, when you watch how Bucky's fighting versus how Sam's fighting versus how Walker's fighting, um, you know, Bucky, while he's being rough, you could tell he's not truly trying to hurt them, and he never pulled a gun the entire battle, where his previous battles as the Winter Soldier, he has literally been willing to shoot people like Tony Stark in the face. So, you know, there is that whole change. Um, you know, Sam, almost, like, when it came to his final fight, he didn't even fight. I mean, he just took all the shots he could. Walker was like a buzzsaw trying to go through those dudes. I mean, he was like, he just wanted her. He wanted Carly at the end and he would tear through whoever was in his way to get there. And again, Bucky's trying to save the people. Walker's just trying to kill Carly. So, and then finally he had that moment where he stopped the uh, bus from falling until they all jumped him again. Well, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but there was, there's not a clear cut bad guy you know there walker for all of his issues which are significant is still a good guy you know he wants to do the right thing you know but he's got issues you know and and when given the chance he saved people rather than go for revenge you know the flag smashers yeah messed up but you know sam and others understood why they were doing what they were doing and then i mean and you're probably right. I'm sure some people were not thrilled by the whole speech, but it was a solid speech. It made sense. It was, you know, you couldn't listen to it if you were really willing to listen to it and not go, oh, yeah. You know, and it was it was the most Captain America speech you could give. You know, yeah. he proved himself over and over <clears throat> throughout the series to be the right pick for Captain America. See, but I think Marvel does that in general, even with somebody as horrible as Thanos take a look at what he was doing he's answering the question of overpopulation and, and people dying of starvation by giving the the universe a chance I mean these evil people these evil beings they all seem to have this agenda that you can almost identify with them and go you know as horrible as that idea is to obliterate half of everything that that lives and breathes he's got a point you know it's 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 really he's doing it for a good cause you know it's weird i i think that they do that all through all of their characters they make them deep enough that you you 
they don't demonize the villain. They right. they humanize them and they say, here's somebody that you can kind of see where they're coming from. They're, they're misguided. They're 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 wrong. They're 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 doing this at any cost. But they're so much deeper. The characters are deeper, and I really see that a, across the board. Jeff has Man. a white Thanos figure right on the other side of the screen that we can't see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that goes along, like you said, a lot of that with a lot of the the villains that they have in Marvel movies, even like uh, like Killmonger. Like a lot of people really liked his character because they could see where he was coming from. And like yeah. Jeff was saying, a lot of these characters are not evil in the sense of they want world domination. They want like, you know, like the Dr. Evil, one million dollars kind of thing. <laughs> You know, a lot of them in the that we've seen have a an agenda, but what an agenda that you can be like, oh, oh, you can understand. Like, okay, I might not agree with it. I don't might not think it's right, but it's a deep enough understanding or deep enough something where you can be like, huh, oh, I get it. And like with the flag smashers, they weren't trying to dominate the world. She wasn't trying to take over the world. She didn't want to be put in power. She was looking for equality for the people that were here for the people that were already who were here for those five years to not just be all of a sudden cast aside and looking for some kind of compromise something to work with you know to to get her point across um so i think a lot of the villains you're seeing in in the marvel universe like jeff said have that deeper meaning to them as opposed to you know what we're just going to take over the whole world we just want it because we want it kind of thing which i which i kind of appreciate like i said there's no real villain in this series there's a lot of antagonists but there's no real villain that you can be like oh that's that's the ultimate bad guy that's that's the guy you have to beat that's the one or the girl or whatever that we have to beat you know brendan who can't be here had a contribution he sent to us and um he said that you know Time travel has been brought up during the MCU, um, and we know it's coming in Loki. And sorry, this is off topic. I don't know why I chose to do this right now. But, um, he, you know, it's coming up in Loki, and he says that there are some characters that seem to know everything. Is it possible we have people that will be going into the future at some point? And we do know that that's a huge trope in Marvel Comics. So... Well, maybe we'll come back to that at the end and after we're finished talking about um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But um, no, you, you reminded me of something that we had said. So I want to say it was Mark had said at some point on um, one of these episodes uh, and the, the congressman from the council brought it up at the end. And he said, you know, what do you do with the person that was gone for five years and they came back and there's someone living in their house? You mm -hmm. know, which one's the right one? in that situation right and, um and you know mark had brought up the whole point and it, it's been brought it's been in comics before especially by robert kirkman um you know what about the guy who was blipped out he's gone for five years and he comes back and his wife has moved on and remarried mm -hmm. and um you know situations like that so it, we they didn't get a lot of time to touch on those concepts with the blip in, in either of the shows, really. I mean, they touched on it a, a little bit. Um, but that was the first time it was ever, like, spoken out loud, like, what are we supposed to do with this situation? 
and it's it's gutsy to go there and not just to you know go on to tell a a fun action story and instead and and i love you know one of sam's points is i don't know but when you're when you're making decisions who's in the room with you you know are the people who are affected do they have a voice you know and i think that's significant you know um Every every episode of Falcon Winter Soldier was action packed. There were brawls, fights. They moved, you know, and there was questions like that, and there were things like that that you had to kind of sit with. You know, you've got it's it's maybe a minor storyline in the whole thing, but Bucky coming kind of working to wholeness and, and making peace with his past and making reparations, you know, to the people. I mean, you you see that towards the end there, you know, it doesn't fix it but you know okay he's starting to walk towards this you know new person which we've seen him do little by little over the show he's definitely one of my favorite characters in the mcu you know i i really like bucky and sam both and i like them really like them both together um i saw somebody talk about the online that um and, and we've talked about the series being kind of bridges to, between movies, right? I mean, so the series are going to be something on their own and they're going to connect larger stories. If you take from where Steve hands Sam the shield and says it's his to the next Captain America movie, which has been kind of speculated on where Sam is Captain America, this is the bridge. This is where you say, okay, you can't just have him become Captain America without some story there and what it's and what it's all about. This is a perfect bridge to whatever's next. And we we have heard they're fast tracking the, you know, at least the rumor is they're fast tracking the next movie. Um, and that'd be fun. I'd I definitely want to see it. Yeah, I think you do have to do some kind of origin. And I I, I use the term loosely origin story, I guess, of for cap for for Sam becoming Captain America. But you do, you kind of want that them to touch on it. Like, I, I think it would have been a little jarring and maybe a little bit of a disservice if they didn't have this show at all. And then the next thing or next movie was all of a sudden Sam was Captain America, you know? Um, and then you waste, and then perhaps wasting that time in a movie to kind of tell that, try to tell that, that story. Whereas here you use the episodes to kind of tell that story of, what Sam's feeling, his journey to get there, um, how it plays out with even with Bucky becoming, you know, not not be, becoming more of Bucky as opposed to being more of the Winter Soldier. Um, and now when you go into, like you said, if you for some, they're fast tracking this Captain America four. Um, so now you have that story told. So now when you go into that, you kind of can jump right into the meat of whatever story you want to tell, whether it's more of Captain or. Uh, of well, yeah, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, or if they're going to call him the White Wolf, or whatever you're going to call him, or Bucky, you know, Bucky and Sam, however you want to look at it, you can get into this story and the ramifications of the aftermath of the Flag Smashers. Um, what's going to happen with with Sharon now that you know it's her story can continue a little bit more into that into the movies a little bit because you have that backstory and it's not like, well, wait, how does she come back? You know, you kind of touch on those little bit of things in there. And meanwhile, the two people who we knew knew who she was have been offed, you know, so her secret is still, you know, somewhat safe. Right. Uh, you know, and yeah, so, I mean, 
obviously we're spoilers throughout the show. So, you know, at the end, she is pardoned and reinstated to her old job. So now she has access to all kinds of, you know, weapons and secrets, and she's excited about that. Um, you know, Gary has mentioned that uh, there was some speculation that, that that that's actually a scroll, not Sharon Carter, mm. um, which, you know, not yet anyway, could be. Or if you're going to go into the secret invasion storyline, you know, maybe she's working against the scrolls who were already in power in the in the government. Who knows? You know, so um, lots of questions. Well, and that's how that's how the whole secret invasion storyline started um, in the comics is like characters that you were used to started doing questionable things. And, um, you know, you're like, oh, wow, they wouldn't normally do that. And this was before, like, Secret Invasion was even, like, a thing. And the next thing you know, that was the scroll. And uh, and it was kind of, you know, you didn't know who was a scroll. You couldn't trust anyone. And, you know, for them to pepper something like that out there, that would be cool. Because I always thought that that would be a cool concept with, um, you know, uh, if they continued the Terminator Salvation series again, Captain off topic here, but if they had continued that, like a cool route they could have took with that is like sleeper agents, like people that didn't even know they were uh, Terminators until they were activated. And suddenly like your buddy that you've been pounding around with is like, you know, I'll be buck. <laughs> so it, it, and so I kind of thought that that was a cool concept with the whole scroll thing. And then they've played with that before too. Like, uh, you know, there were characters during the Secret Invasion that didn't even know they were scrolls until they were activated, and then suddenly it's like they remembered who they were. Yeah, so. I, 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 I kind of like the the. I, I don't know. I guess I, I think Mark said it last week, and I kind of agree with him. I'm glad they didn't reveal it that she was a scroll, mm -hmm. you know, or they didn't bring it into this. Yeah, you know that they just let it be. You know that Sharon Carter has gone rogue. Um, you know, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, I don't know if he's on here or not, but he had brought up, you know, did, did we think it was a scroll or was she brainwashed or, you know, what's going on with her? And I had said, you know, I kind of like the idea almost of, she, it, it's really Sharon Carter. Um, and she has turned in a sense, but well, I kind of, I kind of, I, but it, to me, it's like, she's turned. But she's doing it in certain ways where, like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, she called, you know, uh, Batrock to kill Sam. She brought him into that. But I also think she knew, well, Sam can handle himself. He's already done it once or twice. So he can handle himself. She wasn't worried that, oh, he's really going to do this. But she was using him as a means to an end. Um, you know, she still helped in getting the people – you know, saved from there. Although she did kind of stand in the background a lot of the times that she was there, really was. She kind of she observed. She did she did fry that dude in the van completely, which I was like, whoa, okay, Sharon, <laughs> we're getting a little much here with that. But um, you know, but I for me personally, I kind of like the fact that it's been five years um, of her just on the run, her country that she did so much for turned its back on her, and she was she had to find a way to survive and get a means of you know. Like she said, get her hustle on, and now she's gotten there. And yes, they've welcomed her back with open arms, but it's too little, too late kind of thing. And she's like, okay, I'm going to stay. Thank you. I'm going to come back, but I'm going to still keep keep my hand over here, 
where I know where with, with this with this organization I'm working with. Yeah, and what a great subplot also that her aunt basically was one of the people who helped found and create right. Shield. And now here's Sharon uh, years later, who's this double agent who's in in essence is going to try to, you know, infiltrate and take it down from from within, which Hydra had already obviously done. But, you know, it's just interesting to me the the kind of role in this little subplot. I, I like it. Kevin, mm-hmm. Kevin Zanosko says it's a slow burn. Mm-hmm. As he's wise, and that's that's true. Mm-hmm. And I think they're still good in Sharon, but just because I'm hopeful for the character, and I didn't want to believe she was the power broker all along. I think I was the naysayer on that one. Um, but she didn't kill Carly until Carly had to drop one Sam, basically, and she could have shot her at any time during that battle. Now she may have been laying on the ground too hurt to shoot her, and was finally strong enough to do it. Who knows? And let's face it, we all went to kill Batroc. So, I mean, you know, that, that <laughs> lost there, but um, just, so it, it's just, it was an interesting twist and I like how they didn't resolve it. So it leaves you open for more and it leaves her open to be either a really good villain or a misunderstood anti-hero later in the future. There were some moments in the show and I didn't catch who it was the first time um, when the old guy blows up the, um, flag smashers in the in the police wagon i didn't realize it was um zemo's butler who blew them up yeah. but I'm like, oh that's cool you know zemo getting so when so when the news is broadcast to zemo's place he has that smile he's like mm-hmm. got him you know well it was funny when that happened i i didn't i didn't i didn't catch who he was either also, t- tell that scene where they go to the raft and they show Zemo. I was like, "Oh, that's right, that's his, that's Zemo's guy." But in my head, in the back of my head, I kind of chuckled to myself. I was like, "Why is Alfred here?" Like to me, <laughs> like that seemed, like that seemed like an Alfred thing. Like, like Batman's not there, so Alfred goes out and does it. I was like, "Why is there an Alfred here?" Which technically he is. He's Zemo's yeah. Alfred if you if really you look at it. He's he's Zemo's Alfred. But at first, but that's what I thought when I saw that scene, and I was like, the old guy sitting in the car, and this. I was like, okay, but why is what? And then it was like, oh, okay, this is. And I thought it was a, a trick, like that's how they got them away, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, they faked this bomb in the truck, and you know that's how they're going to get away. But then when you realize, no, this is Zemo's butler or Zemo's guy, Zemo had them killed, uh, which was, which was like, yep, there it is, even from the prison. From the raft, most secure place in the world, supposedly, Zemo still has that reach to get to these people. So, yeah, that caught me off guard because I thought that um, either because Zemo was in the raft and they were taking him to a raft. So, I thought that he was either going to kill them there or they were going to basically, you know, be his subservience uh, once he got there and kind of tie into this idea we've had that they're leading to the Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. But nope. All the primary flag smashers were killed in this series. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they had the tertiary members that were a part of that group that all had the app, but no, the primary, I think the primary super soldier ones were pretty much off. Mm-hmm. True. We, Batrock is still around, you know, right? So he's he's not, no, 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 he's done. She asked him. She, she shot him. Yeah, yeah him. she shot him. But I did think he was that. Steve Rogers was fighting him at the beginning of Winter Soldier, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So there was a parallel there in the in the you know Captain America's fighting him at the beginning. 
Well, so right after, always the dude that's there to like fight the uh, good guy and just gets his butt handed to him by the end. So <laughs> he definitely lived up to his role in the MCU. Well, you're you're speaking about this bat since we're all talking about him. There was something else I saw real quick. It was on uh, with his fight with him that I saw a lot of people on fa- not on Facebook but just online talking about was they were like a lot of people were upset at the fact that. You know, well, Sam. You know, Sam can't fight, and why did he get taken over by him? And how does a chair stop the shield? And this, that, and a third. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, if you really look at it, this, this is how I saw it: is Sam and Batrock are pretty much even as far as fight strength, because neither one have a super serum, so they're just two guys who are trained fighting against each other. And yes. Sam has the shield, but for me, I kind of looked at it like if if Steve Rogers threw the shield as Captain America, I feel like he would have thrown it past him, threw it through the chair, whatever. But when you have two guys who aren't super soldiers, just kind of throwing, you know, Sam's throwing his shield at him and Batrock's kicking a shield or kicking a chair. To me, it was kind of like they kind of deflected off each other from a power scale kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like they're kind of even keel on a power scale, not Steve Rogers power scale, Batrock power scale kind of thing like that for me. Um, you know, but it's also kind of that learning curve for for Sam. You know, this is his first outing as Captain America. This is his first outing in a battle with with using the shield, just outside of his element of what he normally does. So it was kind of that growing pains kind of thing of like, hey, he's gonna make a couple mistakes, even when he fought Carly. He dropped the shields, you know, like, like you're not supposed to do that, but you know, you're supposed to hang on to that. But at the same time, he's learning as he goes, you know, these are the trial errors that he has to go through to learn to become Captain America as he goes through. Right. And, and so you've got him becoming Captain America. We've got another iconic moment, much lesser iconic, but that we all kind of knew was happening was Walker becoming U.S. agent officially. You know, so he's in the black costume. He's got a, a different mo. He's got a different boss, but you can see, you know, he's I'm back. You know, he's excited to be, you know, on assignment again. And I think we've talked about the idea of what the the Dark Avengers, you know, the these the the questionable team, and I don't think we're we're definitely not done with Walker. You know, and he's a compelling character who can kind of come through as a Punisher type who's not exactly on the good guy's side, will do whatever it takes to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Gary. No, No, I'm just going to say, I was just kind of curious, you know, I was like, again, I don't know the, the U.S. agent character very well outside of this show. So it was kind of like curious as to where or if anybody knew, like, based on what the comics are, what you think is the angle they're going with it. Because they had this kind of redeeming arc for him almost in the show, but then he got hooked back up with Val, who we don't know where she kind of, you know, she's still in that gray area for as, as far as the show goes, um, for being whether she's a protagonist, the antagonist, if she has good intentions, if she's you know, scheming in the background and bringing him in, or is it more of 
like you said, that dark agent kind of thing. Like you said, we're going to get crazy. <laughs> there you go. It's going to get crazy. You know, it's going to be crazy. You know, we don't need a Captain America. We need a U.S. agent. So is that saying more of that, hey, we need a guy who who can get his hands dirty kind of thing, where he's going to be more, like you said, more of an antagonist? Or is he... Because I, I do think that darkness is still there in him, you know, because a lot of the things... and. He, he played the character really well. There's a lot of ticks and twitches that he kept doing in there that kind of let you know he's still a little, little off kilter. Even when he was talking to her at the end and he was like, you know, U.S. agent, he's like, I'm back. He kind of kept having this little tick that he was doing. So I'm just really curious as to like, what direction do you guys think he's going in this? If the comics are the precursor, he kind of becomes the government-controlled Captain America. Um, and they use them for all, they use them for black ops. They use them for photo ops. They use them for everything. And um, he does end up joining the Avengers in multiple uh, versions of it throughout the years. And um, you know he's always the just not good enough Captain America in most of the stories. But he, he's had some really good storylines. Um, he he ends up going up against Hawkeye and West Coast Avengers because they do not get along at all and they butt heads and you know in the comics hawkeye and captain america butt heads so they're not good enough captain america and he are definitely not going to get along but yeah he does he shows up in those um kind of in the espionage and street level stories so i wouldn't be surprised to see him show up in a hawkeye series or show up in secret wars or show up in the next captain america film um and, and he is he he He's less Captain America, more Punisher. Yeah. So he's kind of like a good mixture of the two. He's not quite as uh, violent as um, as Frank Castle, but will not hesitate to kill you. I think that becomes one of the questions here. You know, one division we feel like okay, um, you know, that's going to connect back in with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We think there'll be a Spider-Man, you know, uh, No Way Home connection. I'm not sure where you go with this series. You know, there was no clear Black Widow tie-in. So, I, you know, I missed that boat. Um, you know, Captain America 4, sure. I mean, if they, you know, if that goes through, clearly that's that's where this goes. But I don't know, you know, if, if, we're, if we're projecting forward, we know we've got Loki coming up. We know there's a Black Widow movie. We know there's a Shang-Chi movie. I don't see this popping up in any of those necessarily. I don't see it in the movies. I see it continuing in the TV series coming up. Like that I said, it, it, they're perfectly set up to show up in Armor Wars. Mm -hmm. They're the uh, War Machine TV show. I mean, I can see this even being kind of the case of like, like this being that Easter egg show where they drop it and then they come back to it later on. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't, like, like you said, it's not necessarily, like you said, WandaVision, you saw where it was leading into um, the next movie that it's kind of the Multiverse of Madness movie is coming into. This hasn't really led itself to obviously where it's going to go. You know, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of speculation that, you know, this is leading into a, a fourth Captain America movie, like Gary said, it might go into Secret Wars or 
or uh, or something else, but there's no clear cut. Oh, okay, this is going to go into this movie. So this might be that kind of Easter egg show where they give it to you, they put it out there. Um, maybe they do a season two, which I would really like to see. I, I would love to see a season two of this or that late phase four, next phase five series of stuff. They come back around and pull these characters in. I definitely think somewhere in the line, you're going to see these characters pop, definitely pop up in another movie somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, Black, or like you said, Black Widow hasn't come out yet. It was supposed to come out before this. So that tie-in, we may not have seen, or we may not have known we've seen it. Right. You know what I mean? We may watch Black Widow and be like, ah, okay, there's a tie-in. Or, oh, this, the character background, you know, some background character that we missed was someone in there or uh someone mentioned val's character being in black widow that was mark yeah. last week yeah so we'll see there yeah kevin says uh it's all about who's pulling uh u.s agent strings and that's that's always going to be it um you know i think he's easily mani- manipulated and told what to do you know so you've got to whoever's giving him orders um is going to make a difference so it's, one yeah. of the things, go ahead, Sorry, Gary. Mike. So one of the things that happens, you know, as as the towards the end of the show, um, is also the Isaiah Bradley story arc where Sam helps make things right, as right as they can be. It doesn't give him his life back, but it gives him credibility and um, it makes sure his story is told. And that was a pretty cool moment. I mean, that it, we said last week, the actor who plays Isaiah is spot on he he makes you feel things as he's talking as he's acting and um you know that was a that was a a tearjerker moment you know in in watching all that happen i mean i think it was a great like also a great growing point for sam because a lot of his tribute a lot of his thought process and i think apprehensiveness for not becoming Captain America from the jump was stemmed, was in relationship to the same thing that Isaiah Bradley went through. Now, before he knew that, I think he just kind of knew, like he said, like he even said, just that of a black man carrying the stars and stripes. I think he knew that from the jump, that that was a struggle that he was going to have to face. And I don't know if he was, he wasn't prepared to do that, or he didn't feel that he was strong enough to do that. And then he met Isaiah Bradley and saw that, well, he, he wouldn't be the first Sam wouldn't be the first there was a first and that what had happened to him and the struggle and the, you know, the imprisonment and the abandonment almost of it from him. Um, and then kind of having to sit with that and Sam trying to figure out who he is as an individual and what he represents and uh, as a man, as a black man, and just what he wants to do knowing. And then after seeing John Walker, what John Walker did, to literally stain the name or tarnish the name of Captain America and the shield and what it represented. He knew he had to stand up for that. And to part of that was to maybe not bring Isaiah Bradley himself, the man back into the limelight, but to have his story told so that people understood, Hey, there's this guy who did it before Steve or before the Captain America. Isn't just Steve Rogers. Captain America is the people who led up to that. And the people, the history that came from that, um, and to have it, 
you know, that Isaiah Bradley was one of these people and to have it put out there that his story needed to be told um, was, was part of that process of Sam taking on the mantle of Captain America. And what would Captain America really do? Captain America would want the people who helped bring the mantle of Captain America to the public to be recognized for that. You know, I think that's, I think even Steve, if, I think if, if Steve had a known even being in it, I think Steve would have done the same thing of wanting to have that, uh, have that information and that knowledge brought, brought forward. Absolutely. And, and I, and, and that's well said. And I, and I think they addressed it well. Now you mentioned Steve, Joe, and not to jump around a lot, but, so I'll throw this question out there. Is Steve Rogers alive in the MCU now? Because there's been some question, you know, they talk about him being gone. And if so, is he on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that rumor is a perfect, man. That was a perfect placement because it could go either way. They could use it as, oh, no, he's dead. And that was just a rumor and a red herring, a la uh, Pietro and Mephisto right. and all that. But at the same time, we know Nick Fury is up in space. It would be very easy for an aged Steve Rogers to be up there as well. So, man, I hope he is. That'll be, that, that'll be my input. I hope that he is. I mean, I think he is, too. He's probably living in the house next door to uh, Isaiah Bradley in Baltimore. We just don't know it. And it's just too old. It's just- it's just two old guys sitting out there throwing, you know, you know, just kicking it, not knowing that each other's a super soldier, and they just don't realize it, you know. Uh, but no, the, you had, That's where they put all the retired Captain Americas. Yeah. <laughs> in Baltimore. Yeah, it's in Baltimore. They're all sitting in Baltimore. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it'd be cool. I think I, I don't know. I I I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, like I said, Steve, Steve Rogers is a super soldier, just like Isaiah Bradley was a super soldier. Um, and, you know, even though Steve came back and he was possibly older than Isaiah Bradley is, I don't know how the super soldier aging works. Cause you know, but um, you know, he's, like I said, I think he's maybe not on the moon, but he's definitely in a cabin in the woods somewhere, you know, just being, being himself. Um, although I would love it if he was up in the space station with, uh, with Nick Fury, just just up there with them doing something. And you got to there's we know Thor: Love and, and Thunder is being filmed, and in the in the storyline where Jane Foster becomes Thor, which we know is going to be a thing, she picks up Majolner on the moon, which is where it's left. You know, <laughs> so I was. So the moon could start to be something that, that factors in, you know? Mike, you touched on something I've been thinking about. And I haven't seen if it's posted anywhere. So I wish we were bigger because they then people could say, well, that was said first on Pulp Revelators. But um, <laughs> part of that storyline where Jane Fonda picks up the hammer. Jane Fonda um, picks up the Jane hammer? Fonda does. Jane, wow. Jane, Jane Fonda. Um, Jane Fonda does it? Gosh. <laughs> Foster. Jane, what's her name? Foster. Thank Foster. You. Yeah. Yes, Jane Foster. Jane Foster. It's a whole other movie. Um, but the um, where Jane Foster picks up the hammer, Nick Fury um, adopts this role um, called the Man on the Wall, 
and it was this old like or he was the role um during the storyline and it's where he is protecting earth from alien invasion and he is the lone protector so i was like he's kind of in that role now he's up there on space as the lone protector protecting earth from alien invasion again and working with the scrolls and doing it and this all led into Uatu the Watcher, who leads into Fantastic Four. Bucky eventually comes along and becomes the man on the wall. So there's so many different tie-ins just from this one thing that they're looking at. And it's amazing because they're kind of tying in stories from uh, the second half of the 80s with stories that just happened now. Because, I mean, both the Vision becoming White Vision and the birth of the U.S. agent were right around the same years. Um, and then you have this whole Nick Fury man on the wall, uh, Jane Fonda Foster becoming um, <laughs> four. You know, it's kind of weird. And it, I, it's fun because I don't know where they're going, but it's fun to try to make those connections that you see. I'll tell you, anybody that wants to, you know, Jason Aaron's whole Thor run is amazing, but he has a, a his kind of standalone series in the middle of it all is called original sin and that's where thor first gets whispered to being unworthy uh and loses the ability to hold to hold the hammer um that's a great read standalone read. it's really a great story and i it wouldn't be the furthest thing from possible that's that some of those stories get picked up you know fury's already in space like you said gary and it would one of my favorite things would be is when you see Secret Invasion roll around with Furies, if Coulson's there too, man. If they bring back Clark Gregg as Coulson, because, I mean, he's alive as of the S.H.I.E.L.D. show. I've never watched the last season, but if they bring him back and he's all tied, it, there's so much they can do with that. But, yeah, I, I, I just dug it. and I, I didn't really start thinking about it till just recently, and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to spoil anything coming up for the end of this. But, yeah, the... Uh, him being on the moon already, the rumor, he's up in space somewhere and he's already watching out for this whole secret invasion that's coming up. I'm like, he's the man on the wall already. That's, <laughs> they, they snuck that in. It'd be cool. Who knows? I like yeah. it. So one of the things that uh, today also, as we, we connect the MCU dots, two years ago today, Avengers Endgame was released in theaters and uh, I know my daughters and I saw it in the matinee in Easton um, you know everybody jumped on the chance to see it um, so you know, while we're kicking around um, any endgame memories either watching it or favorite scenes from it or anything that that endgame related you guys want to jump on still get chills when he says Avengers assembled yeah that whole uh that whole on your left and all of that, that is like probably one of the most chill inducing scenes in a movie that I, I think I have seen in a long time. I mean, the last time I felt like that type of a uh, holy crap moment was I think during some of the Lord of the Rings battles. And that's what the end game battle reminds me of that. Like the Lord of the Rings when they're defending um, the keep, mm -hmm. just like, wow yeah it was it was really good like i think my my facebook memories came on today and 
And uh, there was a, you know, from when it came out, it was uh, something about, you know, uh, Endgame comes out today. I'll be off. You know, I'm going to see it tomorrow. I won't be on, on Instagram or anything for like the next 24 hours. Because I was going, like I said, I was going to the matinee the next day, not opening night, but the next day. And I was like, I'm going to see this movie. I specifically remember saying I was going to see it at a matinee, one o'clock the next day. Because I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it to the weekend to catch this movie and not have somebody spoil something for me right. or get spoiled. So I was like, I wanted to at least see it one time before and not miss anything. And I just, you know, specifically like Gary said, I just, that last, just watching it all play. I think the, the most heart, the thing I remember the most was they started that scene with Hawkeye and his family. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember saying in the theater, sitting in my seat, being like, oh, this is how we're going to start the movie. I was like, where his family disappears and everything and he's running around. And I was like, I specifically said out loud in the movie, I was like, oh, this is how we're starting. Okay. And just, just went from there. And then like, like Gary said, that whole end battle, I think from the time Hawk snapped his fingers to when this thing came open and Ant-Man sees uh, Thanos' ship in the air mm-hmm. and they blow up uh, what was the, the Avengers compound. From that moment on, was just complete. Whoa! Like this is, yeah. Like what? This is what we're doing. Um, and like you said, it was. It was that end battle of, you know, where the the in uh in Lord of the Rings where they're at the keep, and it's just this constant, just big battle. Um, and I think everybody had that moment where where Cap picked up the shield, or or he called the shield to him. Uh, the, or, or the hammer sorry um Mjolnir to him you know everybody cheered in the theater I remember that that was just a great moment um all the way through I mean I think I've watched that battle five or six times just the battle part like I'll yeah. fast forward to it and just watch that like five or six times since the, uh over the past year so it's, it's been great it was a great movie it's the the YouTube clip where they're filming it from inside a theater or they use the audio from inside the theater where the ha- where the hammer comes back to him and everybody just goes crazy. Like, ah, you know, it's, it's so good. And the, and the Sam on your left, all of it, I, mean, I get good. I get goosebumps talking about it now. That's how yeah. powerful it was. So my only other favorite thing. And um, Mike, if you haven't given me the ability to uh, screen share, um let me have that real quick um i'm still kind of fighting a legal battle over this but um just you know how they styled um the hulk's look after me yeah it's that is that is you i mean that's like i i was a little frustrated that they never asked me first or you know paid me afterwards um i was um yeah it was a little upsetting but you know we'll we'll work on that we're still we're still negotiating i I literally had kids that i work with come to me and they're like we saw it and we were like that's gary i mean all i need is my glasses on i'm just saying (laughs) it would have been nice to know ahead of time that they were using my picture when they were developing the. i think you've got a case (laughs) but um 
I, I just uh real quick um and because then Jeff has to talk about Endgame, but we were talking about um Mark and his comment about Val, so I looked it up real quick and I I feel like Mark's been on the episode because we keep saying well Mark said um or maybe I keep saying that but apparently Val was originally supposed to um her first appearance was supposed to be in Black Widow so mm. they redid it so she and so they don't know there's no word if she's gonna appear in Black Widow and all but apparently like. When you saw her in this, you're supposed to already know her, kind of, was the original plan. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of sharing my memories of Endgame, um, kind of a sad story. My son Jonah um, actually watched Endgame three times in the first opening, uh, it was either 24 or 48 hours. Uh, you know, wow. that's a long, that's a long movie. Wow. He, he went to, he went to the midnight release went the next morning with some friends and then saw it later that next evening with us as a family. And he hasn't watched another superhero movie since none. He's, Whoa. I've had enough. He goes, it was too much. And he, he's, he, he lost his taste for, for Marvel movies. For <laughs> movies. I, I just, uh, you know, the, the kid just killed himself on nine hours of, of uh, Endgame. And he's like, oh, just I, I've had enough. But uh, <laughs> I, I've had the other thing. I've gone back and watched it several times. Yeah. I still love it. I still think it's so great. What a, you know, what a bookend to the uh, to those first. What is it? Three phases. Is that what? It, yeah. And, yeah. And, um, you know, fantastic fantastic movie the the fight scene at the end man just incredible i, I love gary that you use um you know lord of the rings the fights there to the same kind of epic you know um but yeah, that's that's one of my biggest memories uh, of endgame is my, my son going i'm done I, I've seen it too much i need sleep <laughs> you know <laughs> work his way back yeah, I, I don't know. I've tried to get him to watch other things. He still hasn't watched WandaVision. He still hasn't watched, uh, you know, Falcon the Winter uh, Winter Soldier. Um, he wouldn't watch Justice League. He goes, four hours? He goes, no way. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to say, the, the one-two punch of Infinity War and Endgame is, is just insane. I mean, it, it's the whole, I mean... And, and and the reason I keep going back to him as well is because you've got the Guardians of the Galaxy come in. Everybody, like all the characters come together and mm -hmm. have start having like, you know, Thor with the with the Guardians and then, you know, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and Tony Stark and, and their banter back and forth. And then, of course, you've got, you know, the, the, the big Lebowski version of Thor, you know. Um, I could watch a whole movie of just fat Thor. I think great. <laughs> well, and they they brought back like in that final battle scene. A every character had their moment, and they did it well. And they brought back just like little minute threads that I some of them I even forgot about. Like when Stark hugs Parker when he's back. That's kind of a throwback to that scene in the car. Where he goes yep. to let him out and Peter hugs him and he's like, no, 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 I was just reaching for the door of the car. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, and he didn't want to hug him. And then when he sees him come back from the dead, it's like literally an embrace and he's like crying. So it's, there was like, 
It's like this is nice. Yeah, they did such <laughs> they did such a good job on so much of it, and it, it was emotional. Like it, they made you care about the characters, and I think all that build up. You know, every other movie up until then made you care about the characters, but if you had just watched Infinity War and Endgame, I think you would have cared about the characters just as much watching the, just those two movies. If they were the only two movies you saw, I think the Russos did an incredible job of making the characters like that tangible. And Kevin agrees. He says, Cap wielding the hammer gets him every time. Yeah. That's just so that's such a scene. Absolutely, Kevin. And when, um, especially when Thor's like, I knew it. I and knew it. That, yeah, with that callback to, um, you know, the second Avengers film where Cap almost picks the hammer up. Yeah. He moved it on the table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love it when, um, during the battle where the, you know, Stormbreaker comes and Cap catches it and then Yoner comes and Thor catches it and he's like, no, 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 you take the small one. And We're he like trades it with him. <laughs> And that was a movie, too, that, you know, we, we talk about with WandaVision and with um, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier, them playing on your expectations. You know, Thanos gets killed in the first part of the movie. I mean, like, and you're mm -hmm. like, well, hold on a second. That's nothing like what's supposed to happen here. You know, and right. then so you're kind of trying to retrain, like, how does this work? You know, it was great. <laughs> Yeah, it was because even I think that's where they, you know, you do that. And then you're like when you watch a movie for the first time, you don't realize there's that five year break mm -hmm. in there. You know, like if, like you go into it, I think, expecting that they're going to find Thanos. You expect this movie you're like, well, how is this movie going to go this long with this battle of them? But it's not. It's a movie of like Tony said, they lost. You know, that the, the, the events of Infinity War, they lost. And it's now the first half of that movie is kind of dealing with this loss. How do we pick ourselves up? Where do we go? And that you see for five years, they've been on this track. You know, Natasha being in charge of the Avengers, trying to figure out, you know, where she belongs. And as she said, this is all she knows. With Kat trying to go through uh, <clears throat> or doing the, uh, you know, the little... Uh, therapy sessions that he's been working with that sitting with people survivors of, of the of the before we knew what was called the blip or the snapping of however it was and, um just seeing that for five years people have been trying to survive and what's going on you know to to now where uh ant-man comes back and then he kind of sparks that hey mm -hmm. i have possible suggestion or possible solution of how we can do this getting Tony back on board, getting Tony back to that Iron Man headspace that he, that he was, that he wasn't in for five years. Cause he, cause he didn't want to be there. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was great. It was a great story to see, you know, and then bringing Thanos from the past into the whole thing. Um, you know, just it, to me, it was just like, it was that, it was that ultimate culmination of 12 years, 10 years of movies yeah. <laughs> that we that we've had from Iron Man 1 to now and looking back, remembering I never watched Iron Man 1 in theaters. I was like, ah, oh, there's this, uh, I don't know. This, you know, again, Robert Downey Jr. had just come back to doing a movie. He had just gotten off of not being the talent and the person that he is. He was just, 
he was a guy who was in jail and got into trouble all the time and had done a couple mediocre movies here and there, you know? And so I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. And I remember it. And, and literally funny enough, Blockbuster was still a thing. And I remember seeing it in Blockbuster and I was kind of like, eh, I'll check it out. And that was it. And I was like, whoa, this movie is actually really good. Um, so and then that just kind of started that next 10 year, 12 year run. Right of movies from Marvel. So, well, and I think that's such a good point, Joe. And then, so we're on the heels of infinity war Endgame, you know, and, and now we're, you know, if you notice both WandaVision and Falcon winter soldier, very few guest stars, very few, you know, super surprises. You know, mm -hmm. It wasn't the ensemble cast that we had. So we're back to square one building that momentum again. You know, and that's hard because we're like, oh, oh, but just like, like Jonah, Jeff, and that we, you can't sustain that. You can't have mm -hmm. Endgame every movie, or this it doesn't matter. You know, mm -hmm. so we've got to go back to that. You know, climbing the roller coaster again. Well, I have faith in the uh, chess master planning ability of Kevin Feige, which I'm so glad he's doing Star Wars now too. Because if you think about it, like Iron Man and all that, the culmination of that was the Avengers film all those movies led into Avengers because they didn't they didn't know if they were going to get further than that. If Avengers had bombed like Justice League did, that would have been a full stop. Mm -hmm. um, but then Avengers 2 is where you really started the plan that went to Endgame because that was when you saw um, Tony saw that Sokovia. vision. Yeah. Well, and Tony saw that vision of all the Avengers dead at his feet and they were like, it's your fault. And, um, you know, Cap's like, it's his fault. And so he was trying to do everything he could to stop that. But inadvertently, he actually caused the situation to be where they would fail because, A, he created the vision, um, you know, so the Mind Stone was right there for Thanos' taking. He ended up causing the rift in the Avengers mostly because he was trying to force the Accords on everybody you know, point of view, there are probably some people that are saying that Cap was a jerk because he refused to sign it. But, you know, his knack for trying to take control of everything and fix everything actually made everything worse and set up the situation where the Avengers were broke and not together when Thanos first attacked. So just the, just the like, master chessmanship that it must have taken to sit back all the way back to Avengers 2 and be like, that's where I want this to go. Is just I can't wait to see what he does now. Oh yeah. So you will see uh, during the month of May where we're going to have a, a lack of MCU content, uh, new content to talk about anyway. Um, we will be doing some form of power rankings or or MCU madness to to talk about which film is the best, our favorite, or or you know how everybody ranks them. And so we'll have some discussions coming up about those um, prior to Loki beginning, which is our next you know, MCU event. And we know that uh, we've got Mortal Kombat that has just come out this past week. And, and that will be something we'll be talking about. And, and I believe Jeff is the only one watching right now, Invincible on Amazon Prime, which is a Robert Kirkman um, great, comic um and jeff you were saying this this story has been as in in grossing as falcon winter soldier has been 
Yeah, I mean, um, no spoilers at all. I will say that it is somewhat adult, uh, you know, so consider that when you watch it with your kids. Um, uh, it has been what I have actually looked forward to on Fridays even more than uh, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. It's been that good. It's an animated series. It goes back to uh, comics that I did not uh, read when they originally came out. I guess they're reissuing them. I know that they reissued the first one, um, but it is fantastic. And I highly, highly recommend it. And uh, I really hope that you guys get a chance to binge watch, catch up with where we are, so that on the next one of these, we can have uh, another discussion because it's, uh, it's great. And for fans who are curious, Gary tries to wave the Robert Kirkman flag every opportunity he gets. Kirkman was is also the writer of the Walking Dead comic. Yeah, Gary? Yes, Walking Dead, um, Invincible, um, Science Dog, which spins out of Invincible, don't ask. Uh, <laughs> but um, And then he's got some really good series now. He's uh, Well, he wrote Outcast that was on TV for a bit, but it didn't make it past the season. Um, but he, uh, he's got die, die, die out now. And, um, I can't remember his other one. I love it. Um, read pretty much every issue. So of course I can't remember the name now when it's important. <laughs> <laughs> but anybody who's wondering if, if Kirkman's got chops, I mean, what the, the success of walking dead, both as, as a comic and as a show, you know, that that's, that's Kirkman's brainchild. So the fact that it's an animated series, you know, I, when I explained to my daughter, who's a, an MCU fan, but also loved Into the Spider-Verse, I said, you know, you can go into animation and still tell awesome stories, you know, no doubt about it. So um, so more than likely next week, we'll, we'll be talking uh, both Mortal Kombat and Invincible. Awesome. Gurkha, have you found your answer yet? I'm looking. Why won't I? Cannot believe it's because I don't have my bookshelf in front of me, and I'm getting old. Um, Oblivion Song. Thank you, Oblivion Song. Another really good series. I mean, just look up all the stuff he's written, and I mean, he's even written. He's written for Marvel, so he he wrote um, Fantastic Four. He's written some Marvel zombies. Imagine that. Um, so yeah, I mean. He, he's pretty proliferative and almost everything he's written for image has been a hit. And we know, um, so next time we get together, will be May 3rd and the day after will be the release of bad batch, um, on star Wars day, May the 4th. Um, and I know Joe has been getting pretty amped about that also. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, I'm really excited for that. Um, this is a, it's a, the cool thing with this is it's a it's it's all brand new it's a brand new story like is there it's it's based in the story that we already know but the characters are brand new uh they're you know you've never seen them in the movies um you know they're not in comics they just kind of came out i think from clone wars the tv show um this past the last season they were really prominent um, you know, so I'm, for me, I'm really, really excited to see how this show plays it and where they go with the more of the storytelling, it's the expanding of, of, of the universe. Um, and the cool thing is it's a, it's supposedly a, a 70 minute episode, 
the first first one is the 70 minutes um and then i think it'll, the that next friday i believe they'll do another show which i think will run about maybe that 30 minute mark is usually what um that that series does is about a 30 minute mark um so yeah so i'm really excited to see that uh you know just as far as the story goes with star wars and doing that and that kind of leans into me starting to read um it's the high republic yeah. which is the new series that they've put out um i started with uh, there's two series right now there's one which is the high republic and then there's the high republic adventures high republic adventures is kind of that teen reader you young reader um and then high republic itself is right into like the is through marvel through their main comic thread through marvel um and, uh high republic adventures is through idw um and high republic adventures is the one i've been reading i think there's only three i think three issues in i think the fourth one is supposed to come out on may 4th possibly i'll have to check on that uh, but yeah, I've been really enjoying that, um, reading, getting into that series with that. And then, like I said, Bad Batch coming out kind of, for me, that'll be that Friday show that I'll continue yeah. into. So so not to worry with, with, with a little MCU hiatus, we will have plenty of new things for everybody to talk about. Um, so with that, tune in next week and we'll have new stuff to talk about. Take care, guys. See you guys later.